Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I, I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 73. Hello, everyone. Um, whew, maybe one day I'll get back to my regular release schedule. Obviously, today is not that day. Moving on. Um, so it's been a minute. Uh, I don't know what updates I gave last. So I'm going to give you some good news and then some like bad news and then some housekeeping and then we'll get into the whole thing. Um, good news. I got roller skates. Uh, so that's very exciting. I want to learn how to roller skate, but I need to get softer wheels because um, right now the wheels are too hard and I feel like I'm going to die when I'm <laughs> skating on them. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be one of those cool TikTok roller girls this summer. Mark my words. You obviously know that that's not going to happen. If I say that it's going to happen, then it's absolutely not going to happen. Um, also, I don't think I mentioned this because I think last time I released an episode, I released it on the day that this happened, but I got a vaccine. I got the COVID vaccine, uh, the first dose, and I'm getting the second dose this week. Um, very exciting. Um, so yeah, get your vaccine whenever you're eligible for it. As soon as you can get it, sign up and get it. It hurts your arm <laughs> a few hours later. I won't lie. That first shot really did hurt my arm. <laughs> like the guy gave me the nurse uh, who gave me the shot. He was like, okay, so you can take some Tylenol afterwards for the pain. And I was like, oh, there's no pain. It's fine. It didn't hurt at all. Because um, the flu shot hurt so bad this year. Oh my God, it was so painful going in. Um, and then, yeah, I was just like, okay, the COVID vaccine wasn't that bad. And then a few hours later, my arm was so sore. And I was just like begging Andrew to get me Tylenol. Uh, but you know, it's worth it because it's much better than getting COVID. So if you are eligible and if you're able to, please get the vaccine as soon as possible so that we can all get back to life. Um, okay. So now some not so good news that I really want to talk about. So this past Saturday, there was a shooting <laughs> at the clinic. I don't want to, that sounds really dramatic. Um, there is a man shot himself, a protester shot himself in the leg at the abortion clinic. Uh, and that was obviously like, it's so complicated. I mean, it's not very complicated, but just like, there are a lot of emotions that I feel about it because it's funny that he shot himself in the leg and I'm like kind of happy that he shot himself in the leg and I kind of wish he'd shot himself elsewhere, <laughs> you know, close by near his leg. Um, but it's also really, really scary to think that there was a protester out at the clinic with a loaded gun, um, a gun that obviously he was, I don't know, just the way that, I don't, I don't know guns. Like, I'm not a gun person, obviously. I think you guys know that about me by now. Um, but Kelsey, you know Kelsey. Kelsey, who's been a guest on here, she, she grew up uh, with guns. She's familiar with how they work, and she was saying, you know, there's basically no way that a gun, it's very, modern guns, it's very hard for things to just discharge accidentally and like a trigger has to be pulled. And, you know, it's, it's possible that the trigger was pulled accidentally, but we also don't know if he was trying to pull the trigger, you know, to hurt someone at the clinic. 
Um, so yeah, it's really scary. Kind of, and what's really also scary is that the police, of course, because the police are horrible, had a horrible response to it. Um, the man got taken to the hospital. He's being charged with like the the littlest slap on the wrist of just like possessing a firearm at a protest instead of you know like discharging a firearm negligently or attempted manslaughter. Who who knows what else he could he could have you know been slapped with but instead no it was like the smallest little thing it's like a misdemeanor I think or like a small tiny felony I don't understand the law <laughs> if you're a lawyer let me know what I mean um and then while all of that was happening they while they were investigating the shooting they just let the other protesters stay and continue to protest at the clinic they didn't disperse the protest you know they should have sent the protesters home they should have sent the escorts home they should have sent anyone home who was not you know had to be at the clinic for healthcare or work so that they could you know clear the area make sure that nothing else was going to go on make sure that no one else had a gun in the vicinity like we don't know if this is you know one guy or if he has friends but no, instead, the police let everything happen, and when they got calls about it, they just told us that we don't know if he was part of the permitted group. He could have just been a passerby, and everyone else said the permitted group was just praying peacefully, and um, so we could we just let them stay, which it wasn't peaceful prayer. <laughs> if you've ever seen any of my videos from the abortion clinic on my TikTok or anything or wherever else, you know that it's not peaceful. Um, but yeah, they just let them stay there. So it's really frustrating. Uh, of course, the Raleigh police are horrible. They were one of the uh, police departments that was kind of known over the summer for tear gassing Black Lives Matter protesters. Yeah, so we see how they treat different protests, of course. Um, so it's starting to get some some attention, though. It got uh, some national or we got it got some local news attention first. And then, you know, it got some attention on like in the world of, you know, abortion, like all the different indie journals, I guess, like magazines, online magazines, websites, you know, you know what I mean. Um, but now it's actually like really starting to get picked up. It was picked up by Newsweek. Apparently there was a story on NPR. So this is a serious thing. Um, so just, I want everyone to be aware, I guess, of what's happening and the seriousness of what it means, what it, the implications of a protester having a gun at, abor in a, at an abortion clinic. There's a history of abortion clinics and gun violence, um, so it's just something that really needs to be taken seriously. So if you don't already follow along with me on my like personal socials um, or my like organization that I'm a part of, the Triangle Abortion Access Coalition, and you want to be involved with like holding RPD accountable, um, I encourage you to go find us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or wherever so that you can be a part of whatever we're going to do. All right, that was everything that I wanted to talk about in my my welcome back message. That was heavy, you guys. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to leave for like two weeks and then come back and dump all this on you. Um, but all right, we'll move on. So February donations, um, I will be making on my next pay period because I am not managing my money well. Um, February is kind of like a rough month. Just, I think I just spent way more than I had accounted for. Uh, and I need to like take it easy for a little bit to, to, to get myself in track. So I'm going to make my donations and I did make my donations for January in February, but I just haven't posted those receipts yet. So I'll just post all of those together. Um, and then I'm not going to do anything for March just to, just to give myself a pause save some money and then we'll probably be back in April or May.
we're definitely not done with it forever. That I will promise. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Let's go into this dang recap. So this week we're going to talk about Bridezilla's. Um, this is a fun show. I never really watched it too much as a kid just because I was never really into Wii TV. I think we just didn't have that channel in my regular home, so I wasn't really exposed to it. And then when I was at my grandma's house or wherever, I would watch it. You know, it was just like if something that looked interesting was on, I would watch it. Or if something that looked less boring than everything else, which I think Bridezilla's probably fell into that category for me as a kid. Like whenever I was watching it. But, um, I mean, it's fun. I enjoyed it. There was there was one episode in particular that I had a distinct memory of, which we're going to talk about. So we'll, we'll get there. Um, so some background uh, on the show itself, of course. But this I thought was really interesting. The term Bridezilla was coined in 1995 by Diane White, who was a Boston Globe writer. So... I was kind of wondering, like, when did Bridezilla come into existence as a term? And that feels kind of recent, 1995. Like, I, I guess, but there was, like, a Godzilla movie that came out in the 90s. So I guess there was, like, a resurgence of interest in that, I suppose. Um, but anyway, it's a show that aired on WeTV. The original show ran from 2004 to 2013. And then a revival series started up in 2018 and is still currently airing. The show features brides-to-be in the weeks and days leading up to their weddings, and we see their interactions with their family, their fiancés, future in-laws, and, like, their wedding vendors, um, just everyone who goes into their orbit, basically. And generally, the interactions are negative, exposing the bride as uncontrollable, bullying, emotional, or using whatever means necessary to get what she wants. And it's interesting because, obviously, they have to edit this for content, but I thought that um, in some of the earlier episodes... Uh, they really were, were pushing it a little bit hard to make it seem like these women were like bridezillas. Like they just seemed like frazzled and like annoyed when things weren't going their way and maybe like snapping at people. But like definitely, I mean, like nothing worse than what I've done when I've been stressed out and needed to get stuff done. But in the later seasons, I think it definitely got like they started to cast like that, do that reality TV casting and really look for these crazy personalities. Um, but this makes sense as to why I thought that when I was watching the first season, because I watched the first couple of seasons. Um, it's, it's available on Pluto TV right now. Uh, so filming originally began in 2003 for a show that was initially going to be titled Manhattan Brides. And so it was basically just going to be. It's funny because it's like the premise that cameras would follow a majority of young, white, wealthy residents of New York as they prepared for their wedding days. But upon completion of filming, the footage was edited to emphasize the women's bad behavior and was renamed Bridezilla's. So as I was reading that while I was doing my research, my first thought was like, oh, so originally it was like my super sweet 16. And then I thought about it for one more second. I was like, and then it continued to be my super sweet 16. <laughs> so upon... Uh, so um, basically, yes, whenever they finished filming, they renamed it, they edited it together to make it seem like these women were you know, crazy bitches. Um, and because of this, one of the brides who was featured actually sued the producers for misleading her about the nature of the project, which I kind of say, you go, girl. Like, she didn't sign up for Bridezilla. She signed up for Manhattan Bride. Um, after the first season, the show diversified and included older couples, more ethnicities, and different financial statuses, as well as filming all over the country instead of just in New York. In the third season, the show's first male bride was introduced, and he was referred to as a gayzilla, which seems problematic in 2021. I don't know. That just doesn't seem right to, to call someone on TV, but it is what it is. Um, he was John Taylor Carter, who was planning a wedding for himself and his partner Isaac in Massachusetts. 
which of course was the first state to allow gay marriage. Uh, there are two spinoffs, which I did not realize. So Marriage Boot Camp, which I've heard of and I'm very familiar with. I don't want to say I'm very familiar with it. That makes it sound like I watch it, which I never have. I'm very much aware of its existence because of all of the Marriage Boot Camp reality star editions that they have. Um, I think I watched, I think it's Marriage Boot Camp that had Mama June and Sugar Bear because I definitely watched that uh, for a few episodes at least. Um, so that began airing in 2013, but it originally followed five couples who'd been featured on Bridezilla's, basically them trying to save their marriages. Surprise, surprise, when you marry uh, a control freak, you have a rough marriage. Um, there was also another spinoff called Bridezilla's Scared Fit, which was like a fitness workout show. I don't know. It remind, that was very mid-2000s. They had like the Biggest Loser and Celebrity Fit Club. Like, yeah, that makes sense. So that's basically it for the background. Um, so how I chose this episode, like I was saying, I watched a couple of episodes from the first couple of seasons and I wanted to do something, you know, I always like to try and get as early in reality TV as possible because I think that's really fun to com- contrast the early 2000s versus now. Um, so I was looking at these seasons that were airing in 2003, 2004, I think 2004, 2005, but then I was just struck with a memory I remembered watching this episode that I'm about to recap, and I don't even know what I remembered. All I know what I remembered, this is the craziest thing. The only thing, like, I remember that it was nuts, and it was, like, a really intense episode. I didn't remember exactly what happened or what was said, but I very distinctly remember that the reception was at the old spaghetti factory. I have no idea why that specific point stuck out so much in my mind. I think it was because I didn't know what the old spaghetti factory was when I saw it. And I looked it up and I was like, okay, it's like, it's kind of a nice restaurant. There's like two of them up in Minnesota or wherever. It's not, I don't know. It's like not super nice. It looked kind of nice on the inside from what I could tell. Um, And it seems kind of like a cheesecake factory, but obviously way, way, way smaller chain, but nice-ish. Uh, but I remember seeing that. I think I, I must have been a kid when I watched this or at least a teen, an early 20 person when it came out because I think this one came out like 2012. Okay, that's not a kid at all. <laughs> what am I thinking? Um, but I guess my, I just didn't know what this this building was. The old spaghetti factory. I think I thought it was actually a spaghetti factory. So because I remembered that, that's how I searched it and found it. I had to Google like Brides, Bridezilla's spag- old spaghetti factory episode. And then I like found that through like a weird, I think it was like some weird forum that was talking about the old spaghetti factory. I think just like in general, like discussing it as a restaurant, as a venue. And they mentioned that it was in like an episode of Bridezilla. So finally I was able to find which episode it was. And because this episode is so iconic, because this bride is so iconic, it was available on, I think, Dailymotion or Vimeo, one of those sites that aren't YouTube but have the the shows that you can actually watch on there. So this is Bridezilla's season nine, episode five. And the two brides that are featured are Janine and Rochelle. So Janine is... mm, Uh, Just like our little firecracker, our our little star that I was talking about earlier. Um, Rochelle is also a classic bridezilla, but she's not, she's just not, you know, she's just not as interesting. So of course we have to start with Rochelle and then we'll go into Janine. We'll end with her. All right. So we meet, as the narrator calls her, the freshly matriculated Rochelle. 
Um, so Rochelle is 18. She has just graduated from high school and she's from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, so we have this like funny little talking head that starts off with a producer just off screen is telling her, okay, tell, tell us your name, age, what you do, city, state. And so she like cuts him off as after what, what you do. And she's like, what do I do? What do I say if I don't do anything? And like he continues like city, state. She's like, no, seriously, like, what do I say? Um, so finally she's like, I'm Rochelle, I'm 18. And I think she just said like, I just graduated or something like that. Her fiancé is Nathan. Nathan is currently in the Army, and he lives in Colorado Springs, so they are technically long distance right now. Um, The narrator tells us that when Nathan met Rochelle, he saw her as just another conquest, which is gross because I don't know the timeline. I know all I know is that Rochelle is 18, and they haven't been together for very long, but I also don't know when her birthday is, so we don't know exactly when he was thinking about her as a conquest. Um, So we get a little talking head with the two of them together, and she tells us that he was stationed in San Antonio, and she was working at a bar, which doesn't always mean that you're 18. Like, if it was, like, a bar and restaurant, she could have been, like, a hostess at the restaurant, and she, like, worked at the bar because, like, the manager didn't care. I don't know. Um, But basically, they just both agree that they just, he he just wanted to fuck her. Uh, and the narrator said, like any smart 18-year-old, Rochelle made sure to really get to know Nathan before she marries him and moves all the way to Alaska, where he'll be sh- stationed after the wedding. And so that's when we cut to Rochelle telling us that she's known Nathan for six months, and it has been long distance the entire time. Um, one of the producers off screen asks, you know, how many physical days have you actually spent together? Rochelle does a little math and says it's been two months altogether physically, which honestly is more than I thought. So good for her, I guess. Give her credit where it's due. So we get another Nathan Rochelle talking head where I guess they're basically just telling us the story of how they knew he was the one, she was the one. So his story is that they were hanging out together and he was pooping and she got bored. So she came into the bathroom and just sat on the counter and like hung out with him while he pooped. Um, and it was at this point that I was watching the episode that my husband just got up and left the room in disgust. Uh, yeah, so that made him fall in love with her, I guess. Rochelle says that now he shits in front of her all the time and he farts when they have sex, which is just beautiful and charming and, you know, really is the foundation of a healthy long-term relationship. So Rochelle says that she knew that it was forever when he only lasted a minute in sex, but she still called him the next day. Um, Okay, and then this next part, he's like, oh yeah, it's because you were so amazing. And Rochelle's like, I literally laid there that time. And Nathan goes, okay, so nothing's changed. No, 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 I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Which he wasn't fucking kidding. I would, I stand a pillow princess. I can't say anything against that. So I just thought it was funny. So we cut over to a scene at Rochelle's parents' house. And the narrator tells us that Rochelle's parents are footing the bill for her wedding. Now, I don't understand Rochelle's parents because they seem like they have a lot of sense. And Rochelle is incredibly spoiled and entitled and does not have a lot of sense. And I'm really just wondering how they raised her like that. Like, they tell her not to be selfish and tell her to not do all these things. But I guess, like, at the end of the day, they still always give it to her. It's just rough. So her mom says that um, 
there's no budget with Rochelle. She always gets what she wants. They sit down. They're trying to discuss the guest list together. I assume mom is trying to pare it down, trying to like save some money. She tells Rochelle that they're way over budget and she pushes back saying that she wants the flowers she wants. She wants the decorations the way that she wants them. She wants things her way. She's very Veruca Salt about it. So her mom tells her that in real life, you have to have a budget for everything. And she, t- she asks her, do you know what a budget is? And Rochelle literally looks at her like she's speaking another language. But mom, this, this girl's gone 18 years. Like you had plenty of time to teach her what a budget is. Why doesn't she know? Why didn't she learn when she was 14 or 15 or 16? Why didn't you make her go out and get a fucking job at the ice cream parlor around the corner so that she could learn about saving money, putting it in a bank account? I, I mean, not not me to judge anyone's parenting, but to judge her parenting, it doesn't seem like she did a good job. Like I know anything about raising kids. I really sound confident for someone who's never going to have children. So her mom keeps trying to talk to her, but she's talking with her hands. Like she's like moving her hands around as she's talking, but not even a lot. Like I talk very emphatically with my hands. You should really see me when I do this podcast, because I'm just like flapping them around. Like I can pull the words I want to say out of thin air. That's seriously what it looks like. Um, And so Rochelle keeps interrupting her mom to tell her not to use her hands. Um, And then she's like, we're not freaking sushi choppers. Because I guess her mom is kind of doing like a little karate chop motion. But that was weird. And then she tells her mom that she can't pay attention for more than five minutes, which I do relate to, but like, suck it up, girl. It's your wedding. I, I think I would be able to, to pay attention if I was having a conversation with my mom about my wedding. So they have some arguing. They argue back and forth. And then mom gets frustrated and walks away. And then Rochelle follows her into the bedroom. So the argument continues. And her mom says that she's mentally 12. And she's like, I don't think you realize how big of a deal this is. And then we get a quick cut of editing, uh, a quick little editing cut where Rochelle is saying, sometimes I do think I'm too young. I just thought that was funny. But again, I come back to mom like, what are you doing? Okay, if you think that she's mentally 12, then why, why, why? How did you let her get this far? So I guess at one point, Rochelle and her mom are like jokingly roughhousing, like kind of like physically tussling, but it doesn't seem like they're like fighting. Um, and her mom's like telling her to stop, telling her to stop. And Rochelle says that she's not going to stop uh, until her mom says that she wins. And then they have this exchange. Okay, fine, you win. What do I win? Nothing. Then why are you telling me that I'm winning? Because that's what you want to hear. <laughs> And just thought that was funny where she's like, well, what did I win? It's like, obviously nothing. I said that you're not going to win and you just made me say that you're going to win. So then Rochelle asks her mother if she wants to be uninvited from the wedding. And her mom's like, do you want to have no wedding? Because if you cut me out, I'll cut you out. That's crazy for this, these people to be footing the bill. And she's like, you're uninvited. Who does Rochelle, I was about to say, who does Rochelle think she is? But honestly, Rochelle thinks she's Janine. You'll see. So it's three days before the wedding and Rochelle wants Nathan to make breakfast for her bridesmaids, who he's apparently never met before, which I guess makes sense because they've hardly been together. So Rochelle says that she's nervous about her friends meeting Nathan because if they don't like him, they'll, or no, not because, but if they don't like him, they'll just have to deal. (laughs) So she's nervous, but she also doesn't really care. Um, So she's just sitting there while Nathan cooks, which again, I do relate to. I'm realizing as I'm going through this 
these notes that I pay, relate too much to Rochelle. Uh, it's kind of painful. It's kind of a, a look in the mirror. Um, so she's just sitting there. Nathan's cooking. Uh, at one point, there's like a smoke alarm going off and it's beeping. And she's just repeating, that's annoying. That's annoying. Like instead of getting up and doing anything to help remedy the situation. And so Nathan has a talking head right here where he calls Rochelle a spoiled brat child. Ah, yes, your future wife. That's a great thing to think of her. That's, you really should go ahead and sign a legal contract binding you guys together. It sounds like she's super, super capable of making that decision. Um, so he asked her to help by cutting up strawberries for her friends, just, you know, like cutting off the tops and making them nice for a little, little side of strawberries. But she says, no, those bitches can cut them themselves. Um, and then her maid of honor arrives, I guess like a little bit early, to help with standing around, as the narrator says. Um, and so then, I don't know what this girl's name is, uh, but she tells Nathan that Rochelle used to be a slut, so that's fun. <laughs> then her other bridesmaid arrives, and they all have breakfast together. Um, they grill Nathan on how old he is, and uh, he, they call him Grandpa. And then he makes a really horrible, disgusting joke about liking them young. And once again, red fucking flags, Kill Bill Siren going off in my head. How old was she when they met? Uh, then Rochelle tells her friends to hurry up and eat fast because time doesn't revolve around them. It revolves around her. And at that point, I was like, oh, then they're, they're probably going to go out and like go to the dress fitting or go to the hair trial or do something. I figured that's why they came over and she's like, hurry up, bitches. Uh, but no, she just makes her friends leave and she tells Nathan, let's go have sex. And that's how that segment ends. So then at another point, that's definitely not immediately after breakfast, but I mean, I guess it could have been, but it probably wasn't. So Rochelle meets up with her friends, or I guess just one of her friends. I guess it's the uh, maid of honor friend, I think, for some beautification. So she tells us that she's getting her underarms waxed, microdermabrasion, and her eyelashes permed. She says permed, and then she says tinted. So I don't know what she actually did to her eyelashes. Her mom shows up while uh, she's getting her underarms waxed, as the narrator says, to bask in her daughter's agony, <laughs> which after the fight the other day, like maybe that actually was the case. Um, and then we see Rochelle getting her eyelashes done, just like sitting there on the table while the technician is just like slapping the lashes on or tinting them or perming them, whatever she's doing. Um, and so her friend tells her that her eyebrows are lopsided. Uh, she, they like have a little like back and forth like where Rochelle also tells her things like well your eyebrows are lopsided but her friend really like reads her for filth she says that her eyebrows are lopsided her boobs are lopsided she has no ass and no boobs um but you know it's like in that loving way that only your best friend is allowed to do and then while she's at the spa she calls Nathan and on the phone and they fight over whether or not they've been fighting a lot recently. Uh, and she claimed that they haven't been fighting. They've just been disagreeing. So later, N Rochelle and Nathan are driving to her hair trial. And they're late, but she still stops for breakfast somewhere. And so then we get this strange moment. And uh, the problem here is that I... I was watching on Daily Motion or wherever. And of course, it's like not great video quality. And this I can tell that the picture that I'm seeing is smaller than like what was actually on screen. So there's a little bit that's being cut out at the bottom that I can't see. But as far as what I can see, based on my own two eyes and what I witnessed, uh, there's a moment where I guess Rochelle drops some food in her lap 
and Nathan leans over, and at that point his head is out of frame entirely from my view, and she's telling him to suck on something, um, and then she's like, suck on it, it's sticky, and then he's like, oh, I'm gonna throw up, and I have no fucking idea what this was about. Like, it can't be, I mean, of course, I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) So many questions. So finally, Rochelle arrives to her hair trial. She is 90 minutes late. That's nuts. An hour and a half late to your hair trial. Like, if I was her stylist, I would, I would just, like, I wouldn't even look her in the face. I'd be like, I don't know who you are. Get out of my shop. So her mom kicks Nathan out also because he is not allowed to see her because she calls this part of the dress, which is kind of cute and funny. Like, just the, the wedding day look he's not allowed to see, which I thought, you know, mom is cute. Um, the hairdresser is also obviously annoyed, but she she's willing to do it but she does say like let's get this going because I have other appointments so then we have like a talking head from Rochelle like it's a little interview with her outside and she says that she doesn't care about other people's time because it's her life so it's her time and she says and even and even though I never I okay I don't know what I wrote here I was trying to write I think I was trying to write like and even though I set an appointment with you half the time I'll never be on time So her mom is like yelling at her for being late and telling her to apologize to the hairdresser and thank her for moving her schedule around. Um, And her mom has to like really goad her into doing this. And so then Rochelle does uh, very insincerely. She also whines at her mom for making her do it. If I, at at that point, if I was the hairstylist Erica, I literally would have stopped and be like, get the fuck out of my chair. Like get out of my chair. It's not worth it. Or I would have been like, you know what? Actually my price just doubled. Um, Rochelle complains as she's getting her hair done. Every time the hairdresser, like, pokes her a little bit with an accessory or moves something, she says, ow. She, like, complains about how sensitive she is, I guess, how sensitive her scalp is. And then the hairdresser says, but you're not sensitive with other people's time. And Rochelle goes, that's not feelings, it's time. And Erica says, it's my, that's my feelings because it's money to me. I stand, Erica. Erica, you are my favorite person. You need to move into this girl's house and parent her because you've been telling her more than uh, your fucking, your, your own family has. Like her mom, her dad has. So after the hair trial, Rochelle and Nathan are driving back home and Nathan mentions how his hairdressers were excited for them. I guess, you know, like just them getting married. And Rochelle's like, how the hell did they know? So Nathan's like, I talked to them. I, and he asks if she talks to her hairdressers. And she says that she doesn't care. She just wants them to do her hair. And she says that she doesn't like a lot of people. And Nathan seems upset with this. Upset by her. Um, did you know your girlfriend, Nathan? Your fiancé, Nathan? Like, this is a, clearly a key component of her personality. Were you not aware of this personality trait before you proposed to her, Nathan? I wonder, I like, I, you know, not to be horrible and like speculative because sometimes people just get married quick, but wonder if she was pregnant at this point or I don't know, some kind of military benefit thing, whatever. But Rochelle's asking him what's wrong, but you know, like meanly, she's like, what's wrong? Obviously something's wrong. So just tell me what's wrong. Like that kind of thing. Uh, And then eventually she says, I don't know what your deal is, but get the fuck over it. And she asks if he still wants to get married, and he does not respond. And then they get back home, and I guess Nathan goes for a run. It's not explicitly stated, but we see him, like, he's like, I, he's like, I gotta get out. Like, I think he's just, like, you know, basically saying, like, I gotta go clear my head. 
and we see him running down the street and her mom asks where he is and I think it's like try, they're trying to edit it a little bit to imply that he like is like the runaway groom but I, I think it's just him going for a jog to like clear his mind um and then after he doesn't return for an hour her mom starts yelling at Rochelle for being a rude person and she lays on the guilt trip and says you know like just you know guilts her and at that point, Rochelle starts to cry, and it's not great. I mean, like, the emotional manipulation from mom isn't good, but it's also, like, why did she only start to have any kind of, like, emotional response? Like, you had to emotionally manipulate her into a response. I don't know. It sucks. Um, so that was the end of Rochelle's segment, because that's what Bridesmaid does. It ha- Bride- I keep, I, have I called it Bridesmaids before? I think I called it myself once. Bridezillas. <clears throat> That's what they do. They have, like, split stories. I don't know how to describe it or what to call it exactly. But basically, they'll start an episode, and it'll be, like, Bride 1 and Bride 2. And then, like, in the next episode, it'll be Bride 2 and Bride 3. And Bride 2 gets married in that episode. And then it's Bride 3 and Bride 4. And then it might be, like, Bride 3 and Bride 5 and Bride 4. Some, you know, they kind of mix it up a little bit. But that's what they do. So we got, that's the end of Rochelle's segment for this episode, basically. So it was interesting. It was a good little appetizer to see a little bit of a, a Bridezilla. She was, you know, our Bridezilla. I don't know. I was trying to think of the fancy word for appetizer. But I, forgot, I forgot what it was. Not hors d'oeuvre, like the actual one. I don't know. So now we are getting to the main event. We are getting to my girl just... The glorious, the magnificent Janine. So we're introduced to Janine and Thomas. So they were the ones who were featured on the previous episode. I think was Rochelle. No, we just met Rochelle. So I think uh, they were the ones that were featured on the previous episode. And Janine describes them as total opposites. We get a little get, bit of a recap, I guess, from what how they were introduced in the first episode. She describes herself as lavish and stylish and... For Thomas, she says, and Thomas is more, ooh, what's the nice thing to say? So we're off to a great start. We get a flashback of her screaming at him. And Janine says that she likes to be in control at all times, and Thomas lets her. Thomas says that his family is anti-Janine. And then we get a flashback to Janine yelling at Thomas's family. I need to go back and watch the episode, like the first couple of episodes that they're in and get like the full story. But this episode is great. Um, Janine says it pisses her off when Thomas defends his family. And she's like, when he, I guess when he defends his family when they're wrong, she says she only attacks them when they're wrong, but they're wrong all the time. So we open on the morning of Janine and Thomas's wedding. Apparently, the night before, Janine issued an ultimatum saying if someone, I think, in Thomas's family stayed there, there wouldn't be a wedding. Uh, and Janine says she isn't apologizing. So anyway, great start. Great start to the day. She's yelling at her sister and she yells at Thomas and she says that she has to get her hair done, her makeup, set up the table at the venue. And then she suddenly realizes that she still needs to pick up her marriage license. Uh, she also says that she cannot be late to her wedding. <laughs> she says everything else she's been late for this week has been acceptable. But there's another wedding right after hers at the venue and they'll kick her out if she doesn't start on time. She's like, I have to be on time. I will not have my wedding in the parking lot. So Janine demands that Thomas drive her to get her hair done. I, I don't know if he has anything that he could be doing. Like maybe he could go to the venue and set up the tables while she got her hair done I don't know if Janine can drive or not. Maybe she could take a cab. 
Um, but nope. Instead, she does. She lets him dry her, and she berates him the entire time. And her, she's so whiny. She's like, Thomas! I don't even want to do it because I feel like it's really annoying. But look it up. It's great. Uh, and she says to him, I don't understand why you're being such a dick to me this morning when he hasn't said anything to her. He's been so accommodating to her all morning. Um, so we see Janine and her sister Shirley head into the salon. Janine shades her sister's hair while she's getting her own hair done. She's like, oh, is that, is, are you going to get your hair done? And she's like, my hair is done. She's like, oh, oh, mm, mm. But she, like, refuses to let her sister get her hair done. So, because Shirley at that point is like, okay, well, like, I'll get my hair done after you're done. She's like, no, 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 there isn't time. So she says she saves herself some time by having the stylist do her makeup as well instead of having to go to a separate makeup artist, I guess, was what she was originally going to do. Um, and then she, we get a little, like, talking head with her. She says, I just killed one bird with two stones. Two birds with one stone? I don't know how that phrase goes. <laughs> and then, once again, she's, like, in the stylist's chair, and she, like, remembers out of nowhere that she still has to pick up her marriage license. So at this point, the narrator tells us that there's four more hours until the ceremony. They still do not have the marriage license. Um, and so Janine decides to stop at the venue, the old spaghetti factory. I think this is when we actually see the the sign or the, the letters painted outside on the... Um, side of the building but uh, it just <laughs> classic the old spaghetti factory it just sounds like a classy place to host your wedding so she freaks out over some tables and chairs for some reason I'm not sure um and she's like running around just freaking out dealing with things and then at one point Thomas is stepping on some bubble wrap uh I think just like to to just like chill out for a minute he like puts it on the ground I don't know at this point if he's just like accidentally stepping on it or if he's stepping on it on purpose but she like runs from across the room she pushes him off the bubble wrap and she yells at him I am fixing centerpieces right now and you're playing with bubbles and she has a talking head where she says that she thinks Thomas's intention is to drive her nuts because she thinks he likes her bridezilla side because it keeps their relationship interesting so she's just running around the room freaking out about the centerpieces okay I think this is the moment when Thomas like legitimately just accidentally steps on a piece of bubble wrap that was on the ground I think he was playing with it before but this time he just like was walking and stepped on it and she like whips around and she threatens him one more bubble Thomas and then we get another joint talking head from them and Thomas says that the worst thing to happen on their wedding day for Janine would be if he didn't show up and Janine laughs and says that she's not worried about it because in a separate talking head, she says that if Thomas doesn't show up to the wedding, they have life insurance policies on each other. And she's like, so I can make a claim. So finally, Thomas and Janine leave to go to the courthouse and get their fucking marriage license. And I mean, I understand wanting to like get your shit together and get it all done on the day that you get married and you know have your wedding and have your official marriage license signed la di da because uh, I think your officiant has to sign it too um but he says without the license there will be no ceremony and I don't I don't think that's very true I think you can still have your wedding ceremony and you can just figure out a way to sign your license later um and just I guess lie about your anniversary like pick whichever anniversary you prefer so they pull up to the courthouse and Janine literally runs to the doors 
the narrator is saying that the courthouse is closing at any moment and she may have cut it too close but I think this was just building tension of course because a few seconds later we see Janine coming out dancing you know the courthouse doors and Thomas is behind her and she's singing we got our marriage license and she's so happy and excited who knows how long they were actually in there for but it doesn't seem like they were really in danger of like not getting there in time to get this piece of paper um and then in the car Thomas makes a joke about how he's stuck with a bitch now great awesome yeah that's really voting well for your your marriage so Janine's getting ready for the ceremony um she's yelling at her bridesmaids as she gets laced into her gown um at one point she calls for Tara who I think is Thomas's sister and she can't find her so she goes outside to try and get in her van to go to the ceremony and she spots Tara smoking a cigarette and starts berating her she says that's not ladylike that is so trashy and Tara says that she needs a cigarette to deal with her and like six more which I yes absolutely Tara you are not wrong (laughs) I'm she's not wrong um so Janine and Tara have a screaming match at each other in front of wherever they were getting ready a hotel or her house I don't know um Janine says there's 15 minutes before her wedding starts and then cut to the next scene of them arriving at the wedding the narrator says that by the time she arrives there's 15 there's 15 minutes before the next wedding is about to start so I don't even know how like you have this wedding ceremony like I know a wedding ceremony if you're not religious can be like super quick like bing bing bop you know like I do I do kiss kiss you're done but 15 minutes to get the bride down the aisle and get everything like ready to go. It seems like, it seems like not a lot. And so Janine's trying to get out of the van, but the automatic door starts closing on her veil and she freaks out like, my veil, my veil, my veil. She has like a very distinct whine. Um, Tara also takes another moment to have a cigarette break, which like I get girl, but not the time if you don't want to unleash the wrath of Janine. Um, and Janine screams at her that she looks so trashy smoking in formal attire, which is just funny. So they herd everyone into place for the actual ceremony. And the narrator says that we get a glimpse of an actual happy and excited Janine. So we see her, she, I guess, is standing next to her father as they walk, like they're about to walk down the aisle. And she's like saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And she's just like very excited. She seems happy. She's smiling. Uh, her dad is like stone faced. He is just cold uh and we see him scold her a little bit for being late um and then at the end of the aisle when she gets down there she tells thomas that she's shitting balls romantic so they they read first corinthians whatever love is patient love is kind like the basic wedding verse and as like the officiant is reading it janine just keeps pulling faces basically being like "Mm, not me Mm, no 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 and she mouths to Thomas that they, she shouldn't have asked them to read this verse. And so then they exchange personal vows. And Thomas has his personal vows to Janine. They're very sweet, heartfelt vows. And Janine's are, Thomas, I stop and look back at the first day we met. I looked into your eyes. And at that moment, I knew you were a one-night stand. <laughs> and so there's like a ripple that goes through the crowd. And she's basically like, but somehow we stayed together. Uh, She also vows to be with him through richer or poorer, but she says they better never become poor. And then the officiant asks if Thomas will have Janine. And like, of course, the editing makes it seem like there's a very long dramatic pause before he says, "I, I will, but it's not, whatever. And then he pronounces them husband and wife. They kiss. And I think at this point, the best man and the maid of honor come up and spank them both on the ass while they're like kissing at the altar. 
and Janine and Thomas like turn around and it's like fun, kind of a funny cute moment it maybe it's with like another family because Janine is so fucking crazy I'm surprised she didn't like whip around and like bite Shirley's head off for touching her ass so then at the reception um they get there and this like okay this is when the drama really starts I need to pause and take a sip from my drink gotta wet my whistle for this one so <clears throat> this editing is not the best they really like it, you know it was season nine so you think they would have gotten their shit together um but maybe just the cameras weren't at every moment where we needed everything for the full context it's just kind of hard to tell exactly what's going on but Janine basically realizes that her dad isn't there and she starts to freak out and so she finds Thomas's father who I guess drove her dad like from the ceremony to or he was going to drive them from the ceremony to the reception and she asks where her father is and she I don't know what Thomas's dad says to her or I don't know if she just realizes this or talked to her dad or whatever but she says that Thomas's dad whose name is Joe I'll be using Joe henceforth um, she said that Joe dropped him off at Diane's now I don't know who Diane is and I never find out but basically Janine's dad went home and Janine is really pissed off about that but instead of directing her anger at her father or herself or anyone else or just like her family members who probably talked to her dad about how he wanted to go home, Janine gets pissed, gets livid with Joe asking him why he dropped her dad off. Uh, like how did he think he had the right to drop her dad off just because he asked him to do that? And she kicks him out of the reception. So in a separate talking head, we get a little like interview with Janine where she's saying that her dad was getting frustrated with all of the tension and he decided not to come to the reception. Now, where did that tension come from, Janine? Was it Joe? Did Joe cause the tension? Uh, so she says, he was riding in the car with Joe and Joe felt it upon himself because my father placed the request to bring my father home. And that made me not very happy. She's like the way that she words it. She tries so hard to make this Joe's fault that he would he's like he took it upon himself just because my father requested it. <laughs> so then Janine goes up to tell Thomas that she kicked his dad out of the reception because I guess like she thought that would go well um, because, you know, Thomas is blindsided. He's asking her what happened. She's like trying to explain that Joe kicked her dad out of the reception or no, not. Joe didn't kick her dad. Joe took her dad home, so she kicked him out of the reception. And so then I guess Joe walks past them to wherever on his way out the door, on his way back into the venue. I don't know, but he just walks past the two of them, and Janine spots him and turns to him and starts yelling at him, that was not your place, that was not your place, like just basically saying that was not his place to to take her dad home. Which, again, like what was he supposed to do when her dad was like, hey, I, I'm not going to this. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. Can you please just, like, drop me off at home? Be like, no, no, I, I don't think I'll do that. I'm going to take you to the reception and you talk to Janine about it first. Um, but Thomas turns to Janine and tells her to stop yelling at his dad. So, like, that's good. Like, stick up for your family, Thomas. Like, have a backbone, please. Have a spine. And so she's like, my dad, Thomas, my dad, he's the only one here. And so what I think that means is that no one else from her family is there. And I guess that's because no one else can stand her. Um, other than her sister, Shirley, obviously, which I guess she just like doesn't fucking count with Shirley. Poor Shirley. Fuck her drag, right? So Thomas tells her that she needs to call her dad and talk to him herself. And so then Janine's response is like nuts. She says something about how like, 
your dad didn't, or her dad didn't put a gun to Joe's head and force him to drive him home. And she says that her dad could have sat in the car while she talked to him. So it's just like, it's nuts. So Thomas has like his own talking head at this point where he says that Janine went crazy. She was yelling at him. He, she wouldn't listen. He says that his dad was very emotional as well. And in reality, love this Thomas, he doesn't know if Janine will be there for him tomorrow, but he knows his family will always be there for him. And he officially chooses his family in that moment. And I say, you go, dude. Good for you. Good for you. So Janine sits back. She's like at a big table and just like next to Shirley. And she sits back with her arms crossed and is acting very much the petulant child. Um, she asks, or she says to bring the dad. I guess like she she's telling Joe to come back in. She's like, you can bring him back in because it's his reception now. Uh, she accuses him of stealing her father-daughter dance. Like her dad like has, is completely absolved of anything he did. Like this is so funny how she like 100 and like, 10% puts the full, full blame on Joe, squarely on Joe. Thomas tosses her his wedding ring, tells her to have a great night, and he walks away. So that was like when my jaw dropped. Like the first time I watched this, I was shook because I had, I, you know, I'd seen a few episodes of Bridezilla's. I've never seen one where they didn't actually get married in the end. Like usually, and also at the end of the episode, sometimes they'll just be like way more chill just because the wedding's over, the pressure's off, and they're just like, yeah, you know, I'm so glad like to be married. I can't wait to like be with my husband. <laughs> they're like all cute and sweet. But so seeing this to like Thomas actually like give her his ring and be like, we're done. I, I loved it. So Janine grabs her sister and tells her to take her home. And then Tara, Thomas's sister, who we met earlier, smoking in, in her formal wear, she has her own little interview talking head moment where she talks about how horrible Janine is and how Thomas has to do everything. So this is confusing. Again, I need more context. I really need to go back and watch the first two episodes that they're in because I need to know their story. But I guess they have a kid together already. I did notice that when Thomas gave her his ring back, he was holding a toddler. Um, and he looked like maybe, you know, he was Janine and Thomas's child. But I didn't know. This is like could be some random kid, some like niece or nephew. Not niece, it was definitely a boy. But, well, you know, we don't know what he is because he couldn't tell us his gender. But he looked like he was dressed like a little boy. Uh, <laughs> sidebar. So, yeah, I noticed the kid, but I was like, is that his kid? I don't know. I feel like someone would have brought up the kid before now if it was his kid. But uh, Tara says that he always has to take care of the kid, so I guess it's his kid. It's his, him and Janine's kid. No one mentioned the kid at all. Janine never at any point mentions a child. I, I never would have known that she was a mother. I think this is his kid. It's, I don't understand what it is, but it's wild. So Janine storms out of the venue saying, fuck the ceremony, the papers ain't signed, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, like Janine is the villain here. She's very much the bad guy, but fuck the ceremony, the papers ain't signed is like iconic. Like I love that phrase. Like she needs to make, <laughs> make merch. Janine needs merch and that's what her merch needs to say. So Janine's sister tries to reason with her. She tries to say, you know, like dad wanted to be home tonight and that had nothing to do with Joe. Uh, and Janine says in her talking head here that she thought Joe was being intentionally spiteful to her. And so then we have a moment of her sister and her on the stairwell. Her sister is screaming at her. Finally, someone is like talking to Janine and giving her like the what's what. But she was saying like, it has nothing to do with Joe. Your, your own husband just gave back his wedding ring. Like she's trying to get through to him or trying to get through to her. And so then she just says, he's not my husband because the papers ain't signed. She's like, now that 
as everyone else is really upset, she's very much playing like the cool cucumber. She's very manipulative. So uh, she sees Joe and heads back as he like heading back inside and she starts like crying and telling him to stay away from her. And she tells him to go back into the reception and be with his family and they can find his son a new wife. And Joe's like, okay, and like walks away smirking. And so then that sets Janine off again. And so she's pissed and she gets in Joe's face and she's screaming at him, raise one kid that can do what I did for your son. Who was your son before he met me? And she's like, I'm the one that raised Thomas, which oh, it's like, that's kind of gross. Uh, and she storms out in her wedding dress and walks to the bus stop that's right next to the old spaghetti factory. And she checks the schedule to see when the next bus is coming <laughs> and it's not coming for a while. So then her sister comes outside and she goes up to her and Shirley, of course, is trying to talk sense into her. But Janine is just repeating, Shirley, you got some change? You got some change for the bus? Shirley, you got some change? You got some change, Shirley? Like, that's all she's saying. Shirley tells her to go talk to her husband. And then she, you know, again says, he's not my husband. Why the fuck do you keep saying that? You got his ring in your hand. How is he my husband? Which, again, is really fucking funny. Uh, Janine walks up to a cab instead and Shirley follows her and Shirley's pissed. She's like, you did not have to fly me out here for all of this bullshit. I wonder where Shirley came from. I think I saw when I was doing my, um, like, where are they now trying to look them up? I think I saw that they were from South Florida. So that's probably where Shirley came from. Um, she's like from Fort Lauderdale, but I don't know how they ended up in, in Minnesota or wherever they are up here. Um, so <laughs> Shirley's yelling at her. Janine's asking Shirley for change for the cab again. Shirley threatens to fight her and she seems dead serious. <laughs> and I'm like, whoop her ass, Shirley. I think she needs it. Shirley gets up in her face. They're screaming at each other. And then Thomas comes outside to like talk to her again. And so she yells at him, telling him that she's done. But now he's the one who's being very calm. And so he's like, listen, here's the thing. It's going to take two of us to get an annulment. And she's just yelling and talking over him. And then finally he gets angry and he yells back at her and tells her that you don't shut your mouth long enough to listen to me. Um, and then there's like this weird eerie calm that washes over her. And she has a talking head where she says, Thomas took off his wedding band at the reception and started talking about annulments. Okay. And so now Thomas is going off and he tells Janine to look in a mirror because she's disrespected everyone. She's disrespected him. He's his entire family, her father, Shirley. And Janine has just been being like calm. Okay. Okay. And Thomas says, your mom's not here. Your sister's not here. Your brothers are not here. Your dad's not here. Why? So like, damn, I guess like Shirley really, not Shirley. Well, Shirley too, I guess. I guess Janine really did have like a big ass family that actively chose not to come to her wedding because I can only assume because she's horrible. So, you know, Thomas asks why. And she starts to say that her dad isn't here because his dad took him home. And Thomas is telling her that she needs to consider that the problem is her. And Janine starts to say that, oh, you guys don't let me talk. But Thomas cuts her off again. Thank God. Because she says the problem is that she's been talking all week and she needs to shut up. And so she goes back into her like flat affect, flat affect okay thing again. Um, so Thomas is yelling at her. She asks how, He asks her how many friends she has and she says none. And he says that she lost her husband. She lost her father. Um, and then she's like, are we the problem? Yes or no? And Janine says, yes. Yes, they are the problem. Janine is very much not the problem. 
So Thomas has another talking head where he says that he finally saw Janine for who she was tonight, which if it took him that long, then like, I mean, Thomas obviously has his own, his own shit. Um, but Janine walks away telling Thomas's family members that they're invited back in now because she's the one leaving. And she says she doesn't care that people are telling Thomas to leave her. She'll leave. And she just walks away to who knows where. And then the very last moment that we get of the episode is um, a producer is doing one of those little talking head interviews with Joe outside, just like asking him what he thinks about the evening. (laughs) And Joe says, it went better than expected. (laughs) It's so good. All right. And then that's the end. So now the follow-up, the where are they now? I couldn't find Nathan and Rochelle. Like, they're not that interesting. Let's be honest. They probably, she probably like got knocked up and they got, she cheated on him while he was deployed or he cheated on her while he was deployed and they broke up and you know, the whole like military wife story. So Janine and Thomas, okay, they got back together. They're still together now and they have a YouTube channel. I don't know if they still like upload on it, but four years ago they were uploading on it called The Imperfect Family. And I couldn't find like, I mean, I didn't do like a super, super deep dive, but I couldn't find like where they were talking about how they got back together. I have so many questions about that and how they're still together. Like they have four kids. Janine has a pretty like open public Facebook that she's like, you know, posted on semi recently, like within the last few months. And you can see all of her children that they have together. And you can see like, it's definitely Janine and Thomas. They look exactly like each other or not each other but they look exactly like themselves in this episode um so very interesting also Janine seems super religious now because like all of her YouTube channel or YouTube videos are like very religious and all of her a lot of her posts on her Facebook that I could see were very religious which is funny because she was like we shouldn't have had them read first Corinthians uh but I did see that she like she wears a mask and she's posted I mean about Black Lives Matter she's black so like that like a low bar but you'd be surprised sometimes with people um at least and like she's also openly posting about it and isn't afraid to like you know take a public stand which is what everyone needs to do that um so that's it does it hold up is it worth a rewatch i mean this episode yes is fucking hilarious like you please google it and watch it just the ending just janine it's great but as far as bridesmaids i said it again bridezilla's as far as Bridezilla's as a whole, I mean, it's pretty good. One of those classic early reality TV that wasn't, like, super, super popular. wasn't on, like, one of, like, the main channels. But, you know, if you need something to watch that's a little bit interesting, it's a good, it's a good option. Um, and even the oldest episodes, like, didn't seem super dated other than the wedding fashion. And so that's hilarious, too, just to see, like, the old-ass wedding trends. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um, Follow me on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast, on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod. My personal socials are at Riley Said So. Like I said at the beginning, if you want to follow the um, organization that I'm part of, it's the Triangle Abortion Access Coalition. Um, And that's it. All right, fuck the police. (laughs) Bye.